Again, great to see everybody this morning. We're uh, in kind of the second week of this series on discipleship and, and looking at the life of Peter. And we're going to read the scripture text here in a minute. But I, I want to start out by talking about a phrase that is used by parents to end all disagreements and all arguments around the household. And everyone, people are already nodding, knowing what this phrase is. What is it? Because I said so, right, right. Because, because I said so. I mean, we, we've all used it as parents and maybe we have heard it as kids. Maybe when we were that seven-year-old that knew everything, we had a conversation that went something like this. Dad starts out saying, uh, you need to go up and take a bath. Why? Because you've been outside playing all day. Well, why do I need to take a bath? Because you are dirty. But dad, the earth is made of dirt and we don't go out and washing it. Yes, dad says, but you don't smell uh, like the earth. You have this smell coming from you. But dad, there are smells in the air sometimes that, that smell bad. Yes, but the rain takes care of that. Well, Dad, then I'm going to go outside and wait for it to rain. It's not raining, son. Well, I'll go out and play in the, in the dark it's, uh, until it rains. It's dark, son. You can't go out. Well, I've got a flashlight. There might be bears. Dad, we live in the city. Okay, there's monsters. Dad, you still believe in monsters? Son, go upstairs. Take a bath. Why? Because I said so. Anyone been in a conversation like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, either we have done it or we have been, and we have been cursed with a child that did that because we did that. It's in the gene pool, right? We have all been there in some form or fashion. Well, today we're going to take a twist on that because I said so. And we're going to hear this phrase uttered by Peter at the conclusion of the text today, because you say so. Let's read from the good news according to Luke, shall we? And hear this beautiful twist on this phrase, a phrase that I hope because we are followers and lovers of this same Lord that Peter followed, that we say this phrase in our lives because you say so. Here now from the Gospel of Luke. Once while Jesus is standing beside the Lake Gennesaret, or we call it the Sea of Galilee a lot of times, and the crowd was pressing in on to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he, Jesus, sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have been working all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. When he had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And then they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to the, Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. 
when they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This story uh, takes place sometime after what you heard Vern and I talk about a couple weeks ago. You might remember uh, we shared the story where uh, there is Andrew seeing Jesus, and Andrew uh, was there with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, there is the Lamb of God. And Andrew goes and spends the day with the Lamb of God, this Jesus. And he hears all that Jesus has to say. And then remember, the next day he grabs his brother and said, you got to meet this one who's going to fulfill everything that we hope for. And so then they began to follow Jesus. Well, it seems now that Peter is back to his old job there in Capernaum. He has been fishing uh, all night long uh, with with his partners and with his hired hands. He is uh, there uh, with his people, fishing all night long. Now, there's a a famous bumper sticker that you may have seen that uh, the best day's fishing is better, or the best day, excuse me, worst day fishing is better than the best day at work. Thank you, Crystal. Yes, there there you go. You, you, You might remember that bumper sticker, you know? The worst day fishing is better than the best day at work. Well, these guys for work fished. And it's hard, laborious work. I recall my childhood going to see the shrimpers and the fishermen going out into the Santa Rosa Sound at night. And they would lower the nets. Now, they had cranes and machinery and pulleys, and they'd lower the nets and pull them back in. And they would be doing this over and over again. And, yeah, they, they had all the machinery, but it still, it was hard work getting the nets on the deck and then sorting through the fish. Some of that were trash fish. Some of that were good fish. It took a long time to do that. It's hard labor, backbreaking work. And they would have a light, a spotlight to attract the fish, just like in Jesus' day. The fishermen would have a lantern or a torch, and they would track the fish, and they would let down the fish, uh, let down the nets to catch the fish at night because, you see, fishermen still to this day go out at night using the nets to catch the fish because, well, they don't want the fish to see the nets. And so here are Peter and his hired hands and his friends, uh, James and John and his brother Andrew, Hour after hour, they didn't have any machinery. They didn't have any cranes. They were just throwing the nets out and pulling them back in all night long, throwing out the nets, bringing them back in. They've been doing it all night. They're tired. They're weary. They bring the boats into shore. They get the nets out, and, and because they didn't want the nets to rot, they, they have to wash them off with, with the water, and then they lay them out. And again, this is hard work, too, because those nets aren't light. And they have laid out the nets, they brought the boats in, they are exhausted, they're tired, and then here comes Jesus. And Jesus is walking along the shoreline, and people want to hear him speak, and because there's so many people around him, and because also that the water would help with carry the sound, Jesus hops in one of the boats that had been pulled into the shore and said, hey, row me out. And Peter must have been thinking this, or Simon, as he was called, must have been thinking this. He said, you know, we've been out all night. (laughs) I'm kind of tired here, Lord. You really want me to row you out at night 
uh, for in, out in the shoreline after I've been out all night long. You really want me to go out and do this? But yet, because Jesus said so, they go out into the shore, and Jesus begins to proclaim the word. This shows us that Peter is learning a truth that I heard in my doctoral program when I was at uh, Columbia University in Atlanta, the, the grits eating Columbia, not, not the one up north. And one of my professors said this, said, you know, Christianity for most of us isn't all that hard. It's mainly mighty inconvenient. It's mainly mighty inconvenient. How inconvenient it was of Jesus to say to this tired Simon, hey, I need you to row me out into that boat, out in the water, so that the word of God, so that the name of Jesus could, could be proclaimed. You know, it is in, we're inconvenient sometimes, aren't we, because of our faith. The most famous story about inconvenience that Jesus talks is one that we call the Good Samaritan and how inconvenient it was for the Samaritan to stop by the side of the road to tend to this man who had been beaten and left to die. You know, there was a preacher, he walked by, he said, you know, I got to go preach. I, I can't inconvenience myself, so I can't stop. Or there's the lay leader, you know, I got to go and, and lead worship today. I, I, can't, I can't stop. He couldn't inconvenience himself, but the Samaritan, he inconvenienced himself. Stopped, even though it was kind of, probably kind of dangerous. He tended to the man, took his time to bind his wounds, took his time to load him on the donkey, took his time to stay with him at the end, and then he spent of his own resources, inconvenienced himself so that this man could be made whole. Following Christ sometimes is mighty inconvenient. We're asked to do things that we may not have wanted to do. We might be tired. It might take our time. It might cost us something. But that's the way of the gospel, you see. The inconvenient beckoning of Jesus might come to us that we have a neighbor that might need help moving. Like this coming Saturday, our Ukrainian friends are moving from one house to another, and they, they might need some of us to, to help them out. If you can do that, let me know. The inconvenient beckoning of Jesus might be as you're driving along, you see someone with a flat tire, and you stop uh, to lend a hand, to hold a flashlight if it's night, or if it's raining, you hold the umbrella over there, you help get that tire off. The inconvenient beckoning call of Jesus might come in the form of something that you read about in the bulletin. Or hear about in one of the announcements, like our young people, our children, need someone to mentor them in, in, through the confirmation process. It would be a little inconvenient to take a Sunday or two throughout the month to be with them, to hear their questions, to love on them, or to be a prayer partner to cover these confirmants who are going through this year-long process with the ministry of prayer. It might be inconvenient for you to join in the joy of helping out in the bazaar. And you've been saying that, you know, I've heard about this bazaar, and I didn't realize uh, how much work it is, isn't it, Rosie? It is a lot of work, is it not? Because it's a little inconvenient, particularly that week running up to it. 
And some of y'all say, well, you know, I work. Well, come late in the afternoon. And trust me, on the Saturday of the bazaar, there's a lot of help that's needed. And most of us don't work on Saturdays, all right? Auburn plays Georgia that weekend. <laughs> okay. It's inconvenient to see that it's part of our calling. In a church I know about this uh, couple that have been faithful to the church for a long, long time. Uh, got in a pretty bad car accident. And they stayed in the hospital and then the rehab facility for quite a while. And their, their kids did tend to them, but a lot of the, the little things like keeping up with the, the yard kind of had to go by the wayside because, they're, the, you know, the kids are tending to their physical needs and, and making sure the bills are paid and, and all that type of stuff. And, the, and this couple uh, loved to garden, loved their yard. But when they came home, they came home to a perfectly manicured lawn with the back porch being painted, the patio having new furniture on it with flowers planted all the way around it. You see, a young adult Sunday school class in the church heard about all this and knew that this couple and their love for uh, their garden and for the yard. And so they inconvenienced themselves, led by a, a young man in the class who owned his own landscaping business, and they went and cut the grass pulled the weeds, planted flowers, put out new patio furniture, painted the porch so that when the couple came home, they came home to a place of rest and peace as a place where they could recover. And the beauty of their own yard made beautiful by these young adults who inconvenienced themselves for the sake of others. Yeah, working at the bazaar, well, take your time. Lending a hand to somebody else, meeting the physical need of somebody else will probably inconvenience you. But that is the nature of our faith. That we hear the beck and call of this Savior who speaks to us oftentimes through the needs of others, through something you read about in the bulletin, through the stir of your heart to go and help somebody else. Our faith inconveniences us but it's the way of the gospel. Well, Jesus goes in the boat and he preaches a while and you can imagine Peter there, dog tired, sitting in the boat and everybody looking at Jesus and thus at him and the temptation to go to sleep was great. Now, if the choir is here, I'd turn to them and say, you know, it's, you better not go to sleep when you've got the preacher behind you, right? Or in front of you, right? Yeah, yeah. so, you know, Peter was having to keep his eyes open because he didn't want everyone to say, you know, I'm going to sleep here. But you can imagine as he began to hear the words of the master, he, there's no way he could go to sleep. Uh, he was mesmerized by what Jesus had to say. But he was also thankful when Jesus gave the benediction because, <laughs> he, he, you know, he said, okay, now we can row in and I, and I can put the boats up and we can go to bed. But here's what Jesus said. Peter, go out into the deep. Cast out your nets. And you can imagine Peter thinking this. You know, this fellow knows a lot about God, but he sure does not know a thing about fishing. 
because there's no way you're going to catch a fish in the middle of the day with these big nets. That's why we go fishing at night, Jesus, you know. There's no reason why we should be doing this right now. But then the beautiful line that I quoted from the very beginning. Lord, we've been fishing all night. But because you say so, we will go. Because you say so, Lord, we will go. Sometimes we hear this incredulous call of Jesus, this, this call that we question. Lord, are you sure? I mean, we've been doing this for a long time and we've, nothing's happened. Our, you know, what you're asking us to do just sounds crazy, sounds implausible. I mean, it, it's even ridiculous. But yet, we're called to launch out into the deep. Why? Because you say so. Because you say so. There's a man that came to visit our church not too long after I arrived here. I, I had been with his family back a long time ago. They were up in vacation in, in, in this area, and they said, well, we... Uh, we have nothing better to do. Might as well go hear Ed preach. So they, 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 they came out to, to, to hear me. And I admire this man greatly because uh, David was very successful in this company he's working in. But this company began to do things that went against his Christian faith. They began uh, to uh, treat their employees badly. They would fire people for no reason. They began to be a little less than honest with their customers, and they began to cut corners and, and do things that he said were, frankly, dishonest and were against my Christian principles. And he, as he was praying about it, he heard the Lord say, launch out into the deep, leave this company, worked for for years, making big bucks. And so he launched out. Not really knowing what he was going to do next, but he met another godly man and they started their own company. And, well, the catch was abundant. Yeah, they did well for themselves, did well for the company, did well for their family. But more importantly, they became a blessing to others. For just like after the big catch and, and Peter said to Jesus, you know, uh, I'm a, a sinful man. And Jesus said, hey, leave that all behind. Come follow me. David began to do some things. Even though he didn't leave everything to become a traveling itinerant preacher, he began to do things to follow Jesus like he wouldn't have ever thought of before, like leading mission trips, heading up stewardship campaigns, becoming a lay speaker. You know, that's what... We are all called to do in some ways. Asking Jesus, what am I to drop to be faithful? What am I to let go of? Like Peter let go of the nets that were filled with fish. I mean, they had just become rich, <laughs> you know, catching so many fish that the boats were sinking. They had lots that they could sell. They were about to make a lot of money, and they threw it all aside to follow Jesus. Just like... My friend David threw behind a safe job, threw behind, you know, some things that were secure to 
follow Jesus faithfully? What are we being asked to let go of so that we can be more faithful in our following? What app do we need to delete off our phone so that we could spend more time in prayer? Really? I was at the ball game yesterday, and even though there's my phone buzzing telling me to pray at 8.56, okay. Um, I saw a lot of people with their noses in their phones. What are we asked to give up on our phones so that we can spend more time in prayer? What activity do we need to do less of or surrender completely so that we can be more available to the needs of others and the work of Christ and through the church so that the name of Jesus is proclaimed? What do we need to cast aside as we consider, as you heard Fred talk, talk about the generosity initiatives because we care? We're going to have a great meeting next Sunday before in between services, come out and hear more about it. But as we're being asked to think about how we are to give faithfully so that the work of Christ can continue through this church, what do we need to cast aside and let go of? Like Peter let go of the nets filled with fish to make disciples. What do we need to cast aside so that our lives are so winsome that people are attracted to Jesus? Because they see him in us. Because we've let go of things that keep us from shining the light of Jesus into the world. Hmm. Why do we do it? Why do we do that? To d take the scary journey. To let go of things that we think hold us sick here. Or, or, or the things that we think will make us happy. Because he says so. Because he says so. You know, today's communion Sunday. Yeah, there it is right there. And we take communion on a frequent basis because we have to recall what Jesus did for us. We will say some words here in a minute that on the night before he met with death, Jesus gathered his disciples. And, the, and then I'll go into the liturgy in just a little bit. But we know after that meal, Jesus went to a garden, and there he prayed. And in Luke's gospel, it's such a desperate prayer that his sweat's like drops of blood. And he's saying things, Father, I don't want to do this. I don't. Can there be another way? And then here's his response. He says, Father, I'll endure the shame. I'll bear the cross because you say so. May our words to this faithful Lord be the same. Jesus, I'll do what you ask. I'll inconvenience myself. I'll cast aside the nets that I think are my security for the future. And I'll follow because you say so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.